in China podcast, where a British and an American girl satisfy all your curiosity and questions about what it's like to live in China today. And now your hosts, Holly and Nora. A very merry unbirthday to you. A what? <laughs> a merry unbirthday. <laughs> yeah, haven't you seen Alice in Wonderland? No. Oh yeah, the original Disney cartoon. Yeah, yeah. And to all of you out there, a very merry on birthday. Oh, I don't remember. Unless it actually is your birthday, then a very happy birthday to you. Thanks for listening again to our random banter about China and other stuff, but mostly about China. Yeah, and a bit of Disney thrown in. Yeah, well, for good measure. That's right. Um, I'm Nora, and I'm Holly, and welcome back to the show. Yep. This is episode ninety-four. We're going to be getting into triple digits pretty soon here. That's amazing. It is. Well, uh, another amazing thing is a um, review we've got from Digital Doug, who says, uh, Happenstance led me to this podcast last week, uh, as is my usual modus operandi. I start at the beginning and binge listen up to the current. So far, I'm only on episode 15 of 85, so I have a lot of listening ahead of me, but no matter as I find each episode a fascinating glimpse in a world I'm aware of, but evidently really know nothing about. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. I also do that. um, If I find a new podcast and there's loads of episodes, I'll go back to the beginning and listen to them all. Oh, really? I like doing it the other way around. Start with the most recent and work my way backwards. Oh, dear. Yeah. See, I like to learn about the... If there's... um, You know, if the narrator is particularly interesting, I like to learn about them. Ah. Yeah. So sometimes you can get like snippets of information about their life and things change. Uh-huh. I like to know what the current <laughs> events are. Like what yeah. I don't want to miss cuz basically if you start at the beginning and there's a lot of episodes to get through then by the time you get to the end the ones that you could could yeah. be learning about in a timely manner are then far in the past. True. But most of the podcasts I listen to are not about like uh current, current events mm. mostly. Gotcha. Cool. Well, thanks. Yeah. D- did you dug? Did you dug? Yeah. <laughs> and we also had a comment from Julia, who um, we heard from her a while back. She's actually studying Chi- uh, Chinese in Shanghai. And uh, she says, hey, girls, I'm the French one back to school to reach HSK 5. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> Just went to the for- uh, foreign Shanghai library to buy new books. Listening to you on my bicycle. I feel so supported on my Chinese journey when I listen to you. You are my little China cheerleaders. Jio, Jio, Jio. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Julia. <laughs> Go, nice. Julia! Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I hope she doesn't fall off her bike when she just heard you do that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's nice. Like, I can just imagine. I, I can't. I've never been to Shanghai, so I'm not sure what it's like cycling around. But when, when I hear Julia say she's listening to us on her bicycle, I, I just picture her in Paris. Yeah. Well, she's just probably like meandering through the hutongs, like. Very nice. Um, okay, so our news article this week. Uh, I've chosen something a little bit like sort of mundane because er- all the news articles I saw were really, really depressing. And I'm sure you get all that depressing news from somewhere else. So this is something completely different. Uh, this is basically about uh, self-driving grocery stores which have been launched in Shanghai. I don't know if you've heard about this. Self-driving yeah, grocery stores? Yeah. No, but and I'm this, And self-powered. Intrigued. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. wow. So these um, these have been introduced by a Swedish startup called uh, Wheelies. 
Uh, that's wheelies, not wheelies, by the way, sorry. <laughs> um, basically, they've been made to... Uh, they operate 24-7. They don't have any staff. They run on solar power. And they're meant to be environmentally friendly and obviously cheaper to operate. So this company, um, Wheelies, basically introduced it so that they could be in um, rural communities that maybe don't have like a bigger, you know, supermarket or whatever else. Obviously, Shanghai does not fit that description, but it's very, very expensive to rent space for a store. So that's why they launched them in Shanghai. Um, and so this, this company actually first launched a product in 2015 and they launched a, a portable, <laughs> portable coffee stand, uh, on a bike, uh, which like ordinary people can buy and operate for $3,000, which I thought was quite cool. Wait, a coffee stand on a bike? Yeah, on a bicycle. So it's like, instead of a big coffee stand that you would go to, I guess, in a city, mm-hmm. uh, it's just... A portable coffee sta- stand on the bike. So you can purchase this portable coffee stand for yeah. $3,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, meals on wheels. Exactly. It's pretty cool, I think. Um, so, uh, this, it, it basically drives itself, powers itself, um, and it says obviously you don't need human workers, which I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because I think that, um, are you worried about a robot takeover? Mm, I, I'm more worried about people not having jobs. I kind of feel a, bit, a little bit guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the guy who started the company, um, to- uh, Thomas Mazzetti, says, I, I grew up in the countryside in northern Sweden. Uh, the last store closed there in the 1980s sometime, and after that everyone just commuted into the tea. But that takes an hour. A little piece of the village died. Now suddenly in a place like that, the village can team up and buy one of these stores. If the village is really small, uh, the store can move around to different villages. <laughs> just imagine this this store just tootling around in the <laughs> in the streets. Uh, yeah, the, the only thing I, uh, it says at the end of this article was, although um, it's called a Moby, uh, is up and running in Shanghai. It still has a long way to go uh, before it's fully developed and ready to sell. And since self-driving vehicles are banned in China, it can only be operated by a human driver or remote controller. So it's sort of... Obviously, they can't use it to its full advantage in Shanghai yet. So let me get this straight. It's mm. like a truck, yeah. a car. Yeah. And it's, it's just truck. full of just like all the stuff that you would have in a grocery store. Right. It's and like then, a mobile grocery store. You can actually go inside it. It's like, oh. do you ever, did you ever have, I don't know if you have them, but in the UK we used to, I'm not sure if we still do, have mobile libraries where it's just a truck and you go in and there's, it's a library inside. Ah, yes. Yes. But it, it, this is basically a very modern, cool version of that, oh, I think. okay. From the pictures look really nice. I was imagining like a little window and then you like type in the product oh. that you need and it like... Oh, like a vending thing. machine? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah that would be cool. Because how do you stop people from just like raiding the whole thing? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. It did say that to pay, you need to use an app. So I, I'm not sure if you meant to scan everything and pay using an app. But I don't, I don't recall saying... Maybe I missed it. I don't think it says anything about stealing because... China's tried these sort of like self-service things before, um, and it hasn't really worked very well. So I'm not sure how it's how it's going to go down, to be honest. Well, I think you're referring to the self-payment system in those 
grocery stores where people can like just yeah. leave without leave. paying basically. Right. And there were situations like that. Yeah, once yeah. the word was spread. Yeah. And also these like um trying to help people. There was one a couple of months back where there there were like fridges for people or or stores that maybe people couldn't afford to get to buy certain products and you could go but anyone was just turning up and just uh, raiding yes. those fridges. Similar kind of situation. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I would like to see one and use one. I think it looks really cool. Very futuristic. Yeah, it reminds me of their, on Product Hunt, I got an alert the other day saying like, there's a, I don't know if it's an app or some, it's some kind of software, but it's, um, it's like, will a robot take your job? So then you can mm. like put in what your profession is and it tells <laughs> you like in like 20, 50, 100 years if a robot will do that job for you or if you'll still have a job oh. to do. It's just really interesting. Are robots gonna be gonna, gonna become podcasters? <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Well, <laughs> we don't get paid for this anyway. <laughs> <sighs> that that was a nice little hint there. Yeah, hint, hint, hint. hint. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they're also gonna venture out into other things like cafes and things like that. Mm. I'm curious because I mean vegetables. And things you get at a grocery store, they have a lot of, like, temperature requirements mm-hmm. and, like, humidity. Like, a lot of things can affect the yeah. produce. It's really fragile. So to have something that's floating around, it needs to be, like, a really controlled environment. Yeah. Maybe there are... I'm sure there are more detailed... Like, I'm sure if you go to their website, there's probably loads of information. But I just got this from Shanghaiist, uh, as always. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really. I'd be really interested in all the more details about this thing, to be honest. Me too, because it sounds like the equipment that you would need to set this thing up. Because like, how much are people going to be willing to pay for like a head of lettuce, especially in a place like China, where you can get fresh vegetables and fruit on every single mm-hmm. street corner, like brought in from the farm, right? So I'm curious to know actually what their angle is. I could see it more working out in rural Western countries where it's just the availability isn't there. But in China, hmm, maybe not so much. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. And if we hear anything, we will inform you. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on to our question. So um, this question came through Facebook. Um... So it starts, Dear Holly and Nora, I am a high school exchange student from the US uh, to Taiwan, and I've been listening to your podcast for about half a year now. I have really enjoyed it. Even though I know Chinese and Taiwanese culture is not exactly the same, I've been able to relate uh, to some of the things I've experienced here to some of yours in China. Living in Taiwan has been amazing, and I love the culture here. I'm also learning Chinese, but I've only studied for 12 months since I've gotten here, and I'm learning traditional characters. Uh, in Taiwan, I live in the capital, Taipei, and I'm amazed by how convenient and safe my life is here compared to where I'm from. My exchange will end soon and I'll go back home, and I'm curious to know what kind of culture shock I'll experience when I go home. Since you've been in China, uh, when you go back to your home country, what kind of culture shock have you experienced? Thanks, Zamira. Thank you for your question. That's a great question. It is, isn't it? I love this. When I heard this question, I got really excited about talking mm-hmm. about this topic. And also, just to say, like, she's a high school student in Taiwan. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, to go at such a young age. So, I, th- I yeah. Yeah, that's nice really job. cool. Props. Yes. You'll remember that experience forever, I'm sure. Mm. Very cool. Well, yeah, I would just like to reiterate, um, Zamira mentioned that 
uh, Taiwan and China are quite different, and that's true. So that's something definitely she'll have to keep in mind because uh, our experiences are obviously based off of living in China. Yeah, and there is a diff- quite a difference between the culture mm. in China and that in Taiwan. But still, we're talking about Asia here. They share a lot of similarities between sure. quite a few countries here, and so I think a lot of these things will still apply. Mm. Um, yeah, it's funny when I first came to China. Like I've never actually experienced culture shock going somewhere because I expect the culture to be different. Yeah. So it's not to me a shock. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, things are so different here. Well, it's like, yeah, of course well, they are. Course You're on the other is. side of the planet. Yeah. Um, so, but I was shocked. I did had that like reverse culture shock, as they say, when I returned home to the U.S. for the first time after living in China for that year. Yeah, me too. Definitely, and that took me by surprise because you go home expecting to feel like you never left, expecting everything goes back to normal mm-hmm. just perfectly, and yet suddenly you get kind of shocked by these nuances of culture that you never had realized before. Yeah. So I don't know if you want to elaborate on、oh. some of those things that you had. Yeah, sure. Well,、um, Zamira mentioned herself about、uh, safety, and that's a big one for me.、Um, I often walk around in the middle of the night, early hours of the morning, and I f- always feel safe. I've never okay. There's maybe been a rare moment when.、Uh, Chinese people don't. We've discussed don't really have a sense of personal space, and they also don't realize that whistling or being very close to a woman in the middle of the night might make them feel a bit un, like uncomfortable.、Uh, so I've definitely had those occasions where I felt the you know the prickles on the back of my neck and thought you're a bit close to me, like <laughs> give me some space.、Um, but I, in general, I feel super safe here. Um, not, I mean, there's there's streetlights everywhere. There's police all over the place. They even have like these、uh, police boxes. Like it's so old school, but there's always a police officer or a, or a security guard sat in one of these boxes on the street or next to a building. So there's always someone around. And they have those like blindingly flashing blue and red lights, <laughs>、yeah. where they'll yeah. have like somebody set up. Just kind of on a street corner, as a、yeah. policeman, and like every with a bike, <laughs> yeah, with a bike and like a baton, no guns, as far as I've seen.、Mm-hmm. And then they've got these like crazy bright light. When you walk by, it's really obnoxious, but it makes it really easy to spot. Yeah, if you're on a street and you need help, definitely. Yeah, so they're very and everything's like CCTV. I guess you're used to that being in the UK, but、mm-hmm. in the states, there's a lot of like still like I would say like consider. The Wild West, like wilderness, where、sure. nobody's watching. Yeah, but here in China, I feel like almost like every inch of the city is on camera. Definitely, yeah. So it's easy for them to pinpoint perpetrators, and they also have really harsh punishments for violent criminals, and so that really deters、mm-hmm. um, people from doing those kind of things.、Um, serious capital punishment here. Yes. Yeah.、Um, So I guess when I go home,、um, I think the I I don't want to call it lack of safety, but that、um, once you take all those things away, you it's accentuated the fact that there's you don't feel as safe.、Mm-hmm. I I certainly don't like 
if I was to walk home, I, and I remember doing so when I was younger, when I, I, I still lived at home, and I would walk from the bus around to my parents' home, and it's it's five minutes, but I would walk so fast because <laughs> I was just so unnerved. Sometimes you wouldn't see anyone, um, you know, when you when I would walk home, and I I, I have this distinct memory of, of walking, like, extremely quickly just because I was so afraid that someone might be there. Yeah. I think also just because Chinese people in general don't tend to have so much outward aggression. True. Like, they tend to be very subdued emotionally in a lot of ways. And Mm -hmm. one of them is just, like, they just don't approach, like, okay, you got some prickles from, like, some weirdos wandering around and I who were probably, like, also drinking or whatever. But mm-hmm. And I've had the same thing. But I've never really felt like my life was threatened. Oh, no, 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 no. But I've definitely had that experience in the U.S. multiple times, especially because I was bartending all throughout mm-hmm. um, university. And so I would be coming home at completely inappropriate hours, you know, like, and I would be usually riding my bike. And so, and it would be, it was a long ride and I would go through some areas of town that weren't like exactly the nicest areas. And I was constantly being cat caught, like nasty stuff, Mm. like being yelled at from my bike. And I'm okay. It was three in the morning. So I'm like, and I'm a woman by myself. So I'm kind of asking for it in a sense, but it was my job and that's how I would get home. And so I could feel, I could definitely feel that like the fear that if something happened to my bike and, like, I had stopped all of a sudden, then I would be definitely approached and probably something could have more easily happened. Whereas here, like you said, you can walk waltz down the street wearing, like, Gucci everything or, you know, like, carrying a bag that has, like, a money sign on it. And people wouldn't, like, try... I mean, obviously, there's always going to be some you know, the bad guys out there. Yeah. But for the most part, people are just, um, they, I think they're mo- mostly afraid of the consequences for doing something like that. Maybe. So, they it's tend like, to they're be... They're going to get caught, aren't they? I mean, like, as you say, this city, the, the country, or this city in particular, is, there's cameras on every street, there's security everywhere so you're gonna get probably gonna get caught and there's no like innocent until proven guilty in china their punishment is swift and severe Mm -hmm. and so that also just helps to maintain a really stable like safe society just because people are they know that if they're caught then it's a huge risk Mm -hmm. but there are crimes committed here actually we will talk at some length about uh safety in china in another podcast. Ah. Yep. Hint. Uh-huh. Cool. <clears throat> One of the other things that I felt um, was shocking coming back from China is that, okay, I'm from the Midwest, and people are, like, aggressively friendly in the Midwest. That's, like, the only way I can put it. Like, so friendly mm-hmm. that... I, and I never... That was always my normal reality. Like, I'm from Wisconsin. That's, that's just how people are. Sure. But after being in China, where most people are suspicious of you, if you're if they don't know you, um, they they at least my first year I got ripped off quite a bit. Um, yeah. So I couldn't trust people there very easily just because they were constantly taking advantage. Because they knew that I was a foreigner, they knew I didn't know the system, they knew I didn't know the prices, so I was always being ripped mm. off. I had a bargain constantly, which was kind of obnoxious so then when i got back to the states and i like walked into a store 
bought something for a reasonable price <laughs> and walked out and somebody had like smiled at me and yeah, thanked thank me for you. my money and stuff like that then I also felt like and made eye contact with you <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and I felt so sus- almost suspicious yeah like, you do like what what why are yeah. you being so nice to me what's your angle you know definitely and so that was one of the definitely one of the shocking because it was so in my face I was like whoa mm. whoa like, these people are crazy friendly, and I didn't realize that, and that had been my reality my whole life, but actually having had that one-year break and not thinking about it and being adjusted to the new culture showed me just a huge difference between yeah. these two. Yeah, and that's like, sense of familiarity, like, even when I go home, I mean, people may remember, like, may know me, like, in the, in the local area, but... Um, even if they didn't they'd still it would still be like oh you're right love you know you know how you know how was your mom and dad pet like this Mm -hmm. kind of thing it's all people are so familiar with you um yeah it's like yeah it's slightly unnerving Mm -hmm. almost like what's funny because like we stick out as foreigners like a sore thumb especially Mm -hmm. being women foreigners and like there's just not as many and so you'd think that most people who would like sell us things would then remember what we bought and like the next time come around and give yeah. you the same thing but actually you'd be surprised how rarely that happens yeah it, it can happen sometimes but i think you're right like you have to go a lot yeah and order like the same thing until and then there's still very few places like my husband gets really annoyed by this too because like every day he goes to the same shop and he buys the same thing right from the same people yeah and every day, I mean, this is years. Yeah. And he'll go to the shop. They'll ask him, "What do you want?" They never say like, you know, like oh, the yeah. regular. Like, yeah. you want this, you right? Want this one, yeah. Or have it ready for him. In fact, <laughs> exactly. Like, see him coming, have it ready. Yeah. You know, like they don't even have to say anything, right? Like that's just to me, it's like good business making a connection with your customer. Because I know, just going back to bartending. I would memorize people's faces and, like, their life stories because I knew the next time that they would walk in, they want to be greeted by somebody who remembers them and, like, who knows what they like to drink and, like, they feel like they're taken care of. But in China, forget it. Yeah. There's there's this lack of, like, uh, I think maybe because they don't realize they could get something out of it. Um, That sounds harsh. What I mean is, like, if you're... You work, you're a bartender, you want to make sure that your customer feels comfortable because they'll come back, right? And mm-hmm. they'll, you might get a nice tip. I mean, not that you don't, you want to do it, like you don't want to do it in the first place, like, you know, like you feel forced to, but here, they seem, they don't seem to understand, like, if you treat me well, like, if you, you know, if you smile, if you, if you look at me in the face, like, yeah. That would be nice. The eye contacting is oh, crazy. Man. You're talking to people. Or they just, you say something to them and they just don't just respond. Just don't even respond. And you're like, yeah. hello, I said something. And it's not, okay, like, you might assume, oh, maybe they didn't understand your Chinese. No. No. They, like, a lot, of, especially this happens in southern China much more, I think, mm. than in northern China, is that this lack of response. Like, the other day I was getting into a cab and I was bringing taxis a Taxis big- are the worst thing. Yeah, the taxis. I was bringing this big box. It didn't fit in the trunk. So I asked the driver, can I put this in the back? Mm-hmm. He just okay. kind of turned his head just a little bit, barely glanced at me out of the corner of his eye, said nothing. And I was like, can I put this in the back? And he again just did the same thing. And I was like, I'm asking you a question. Can I put this? And he was like, Ugh. That's all he did. And I was like, well, I guess I'm throwing it in the back. Yeah. He, he, like, as if it was this huge issue that he said, like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. 
Sometimes you just have to not even ask. You just do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. Sometimes that's almost like just the best thing, and then wait for someone to say, "Oh, actually, you can't do that." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe my problem is I should ask for forgiveness, forgiveness. not for permission. That's it, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do find that frustrating. Yeah, but that's so different between mm-hmm. the East and the West. Which is sometimes can work in your favor, this idea of almost being, like, anonymous. No one really knows you. They don't know anything about your life. You're just another person. That obviously has its pros and cons, but I sometimes sort of like that. Like, I'm just uh, I'm yeah. just floating. You don't know anything about me. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know any real information, of course. The government do, but the neighbors don't know anything. Yeah, especially if you're like going to buy hemorrhoid cream or something like that. You know what I mean? Like you walk into sure. somewhere where everybody knows you, and it's like yeah. things like that, which are sensitive. It's kind of nice to blend in with the crowd. Mm-hmm. But I think in general, Chinese people and they have a lot of jokes about after sales service in China. Like basically, it's kind of this traveling salesman techno like uh, mentality where. Once you purchase something, once they have their money, your money, yeah, they're like, they don't want to be bothered with helping you, like, learn how to use a product or Definitely. if there are issues fixing it, any of these things, like, after sales, it's just like they disappear completely. Because yeah. they're just not concerned with repeat customers. The population is so huge, all they need is one sale from, you know, a small number of, you know, small percentage of the population and then they're mm-hmm. fine. So they don't have to take the care and consideration to keep people coming back for the most part. Yeah. So that's part of the, I think, part of the reason why that happens. Whereas where we're from, we're both from smaller towns. If you do that, obviously you're going to get a reputation. Definitely. And then your business is going to fail. Yep. So it's not like, oh, we're so good and they're so bad. No, it's like that's what the situation is. And I think that's just a natural response to, yeah, to yeah. just like the market. Yeah, and people will go out of their way to help you for that reason. Um, I think I've mentioned in the past about if you go to a supermarket and you don't, you forget to wear something, um, no one will help. Like, if I was in a supermarket at home, they would call someone and say, oh, like, can you, you know, can you wear this up for me? And so, okay, you really, it's really frustrating for the people behind you in the queue because they have to wait for you. But uh, here, that doesn't happen. Like, no, you know, they wouldn't call another sales assistant to go and help you, you know, or this, it doesn't have a barcode, so what, like, there's nothing, you know, I'm not going to do anything for you, you just can't buy that product. Yeah, that's the whole thing, is it's like, <laughs> it's one thing if it's your fault, like, you forgot to weigh it, okay, which I completely agree with you, like, they're trying to make sales, why mm-hmm. the heck wouldn't they send somebody over to yeah, help weigh you? would apologize, you? like, if that, like, if it happened to me in the UK or anywhere, you'd be like, oh, God, I'm, so, I'm so sorry, but they'd still help you, even yeah, if it was at the a end, pain. you're giving them money for right. that thing, right. but you're right, like, I just had the same situation where I was at the supermarket, and I wanted to buy this thing of cheese, right. and it had a barcode on it, but it was, like, smut, like, yeah. you know, like, it, yeah. the sticker had gotten kind of crunched up, and they and tried they punching in, it. yeah, they couldn't scan it, they tried punching in the numbers, and then they were just like, sorry, and they didn't offer to, like, go get another one, and I'm like, that's the fault of the store. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Yeah. And, and it's funny, like, I, I mean, I've worked in retail, and... If you did that, if you pulled a stunt like that, A, the customer would probably complain about you. And B, like, the management would come down on you like a ton of bricks. Like, you're you're there to give customer service. That's your job. Like, you're not there just to be a robot to just, like, scan the thing and take the money. Like, that's, there's more to it than that. But apparently, very few people 
are concerned with those things. Because mm-hmm. it's not always just the price of that product, too. Like, if I'm going into the shop and I'm only buying a couple things, and then I realize after waiting in line for so long that one of the things needs to be weighed and they're not going to weigh it for me, I might just, like, abandon, abandon the whole, the whole thing. Uh, yeah, me too. And I'm like, to okay, honest, whatever, then nine. fine, just nice. take it all. See ya. Similar, similar thing. I, I mean, I've done the same thing where there's, say, a, a huge queue and they don't open another cash register even though there's another member of staff there who could do it. Mm-hmm. Similar thing, I think. Yeah. Like, if I'm stood in this queue and I know I'm going to be here for another 10 minutes, but no one's got the common sense to open the till, mm. I'm out there. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of queuing, this is one of the culture shocks that I definitely experience. I've probably told you this story before, too. Um, going back to the U.S., uh, I went to a department store and was standing in line trying to buy something. And the person behind me was giving me, like, the stink eye, you know? And I realized that they must have been annoyed because I was standing so close to them. Because they kept, like, inching forward. Oh, you were you were, you were in the U.S.? Yeah, so I was in the U.S. <laughs> and I was standing in line. And I had gotten so used to standing near people. It wasn't like I was breathing down the person's neck. But in Wisconsin especially, because it's just, like, mostly rural. So there's so much space. So it's really funny now when I walk down the street and I see people like, there's obviously enough space for us both to fit on the sidewalk, but one person will like go off the yeah. sidewalk and give and a walk. huge yeah. berth for you to like get by. It's so funny now when I see that, like people are like, oh, and there's always this like nervous because now yeah. we're so used to like weaving in between people and like narrowly like brushing past people, especially with a stroller. I'm always mm-hmm. like just barely missing stuff yeah. as I go. Um, but in the US, like, at least where I'm from. Yes. Maybe it's different in, like, New York or somewhere else that's more populous, but it's so funny to see how much space, mm-hmm. personal space, people really need. Like, I still feel like I have a much wider need for personal space than the average Chinese person. Like, mm-hmm. I still often get uncomfortable when someone stands too close to me, especially oh, yeah. those old ladies who are always, like, they're, like, <laughs> standing on you. You can, like, feel their breasts on your back. Do you remember I was coming back from Hong Kong from the theatre the, oh, the, the, yeah. the, the other week? Um, we, so we're queuing at the border to come back into Shenzhen, and there were two ladies, like, what sort of one was quite a, quite a bit older than the other and they were like helping each other and the the older lady was right <laughs> up against us yeah. like wasn't it didn't she wasn't one against one of us and then what the other I she think was one right was against you, you yeah, and one and, against me and we'd moved and then she was just like right up against us like and there was no one else behind them like it wasn't like oh it was a jam-packed line it yeah. was literally like 10 people or like let's say 15 people maximum and then they were at the end of the line so they had plenty of space behind them so it wasn't like they were being forced forward because of all the people behind them yeah they were just <laughs> smashed into our backs like i could smell their yeah. like you know, their hair, whatever shampoo that they had been using was crazy. And then, like, I turned around and I was just like, because we were in also a foreigner only line, yes. and it was obvious that these weren't foreigners. Yeah, it was a strange situation. Yeah, yeah, it was really weird. And they, these two were just like, you know, like aliens in another planet. Sometimes you get these people who just like don't get Clueless. the concept. No, no. Yeah. Like, they just haven't, they just haven't, just not well educated, or they mm. haven't traveled a lot. Yeah. Fair enough. But they just, you can see that they're just like these you know, like, fish out of water. Um, mm-hmm. And I just turned around, because I was getting so annoyed with them, yeah. just, like, breathing down my neck. I was like, you guys know this is the foreigner line, yeah, right? Like, yeah. you're not supposed to be in this line. And then they got all confused, and they were ushered over by some kind 
security guard who helped them find their way. But yeah, yeah, it's like this stuff happens all the time. But yet, even though I have that, still maintain a sense of personal space, I realize how much it has shrunk, shrunk, shranked. I don't know. (laughs) Shrunk. One of them. (laughs) (laughs) My English is getting so bad. Um, Since being in China. So when I go to the U.S. and I'm like seeing somebody cross the street and they're like getting so far out of the way, I'm giggling to myself because I'm like, come on, obviously there's enough space for us both here. Well, you have to, don't you? Like here, if you give someone space, they'll just take up the whole sidewalk. Yeah. Like you have to just be like tough. I am going to, even if we knock into each other, I'm not walking on the road for you. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's no like understanding of, oh, there's not quite enough space for, say, three people, and maybe, like, they like to walk arm in arm or hand in hand, you know, so they don't quite understand that, oh, maybe we should go in single file so that mm-hmm. two people can pass each other. No. Or the- move slightly out of the way, and then we'll move slightly out of the way, and we'll both move right. slightly out of the way, and then there'll be room for everybody. <laughs> but no, they just come, like, bulldozing down the street. Yeah. And, you know, uh, and um- umbrellas are the worst thing. Oh, Once yeah. Once it rains... There's no umbrella etiquette. No. Like, you are just going to bash someone with your <laughs> umbrella, whether they like it or not. Yeah, you have to master this art of pretending like you're not noticing what else is going Like, just looking at your phone and pretending like you don't realize someone plowing straight towards you. Because they're often yeah. doing this, like, Definitely. oh, I'm just oblivious. Or, like, people do this all the time when they're trying to cut in line. They pretend... Like they don't know what's going on. Right. They're like on their phone, and then yeah, they're like, like slowly oh, cutting in line. In front of the line. Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, as if you're doing that on accident. Come on, it's really obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when people are like standing in line, I remember that I was in the in the line standing there, and then this person was like, <sighs> like looking back over their shoulder at yeah. me, and then I'm realized like, what am I doing wrong? And mm. then I realized I was standing closer to them than the rest of the people. But I still wasn't even that close to them. I was still was easily, like, a foot away, but yeah. apparently that was too that close. That was too close. I wonder what the logic is behind the, like, for queuing, for example, why they feel the need to get really up close. Like, is it because they're trying to save space? <laughs> is I think they're just afraid they just, someone's going to cut in. Right. Because I often wondered, like, you know the queue is not moving, because if, you know, if some people move very close to you, they think, oh, the, the queue's going to move, so I'm getting ready to move as well. But that's never the case. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's curious. Yeah, it is. Although I have to say it's gotten better over the, over the eight years that I've been here. It's definitely made some improvements, but you still get, you still get. Do you think it's improvements or you've just gotten used to it? No, I think it's improvements. Yeah. yeah. And I think in um, Taiwan... Um, uh, they wouldn't have the same Probably issue. Not. No, I don't think so. But I heard that uh, accounts from Taiwan from, let's say, 50 years ago mm. were similar, like China. So I have a feeling that in China, like China will be completely different um, in decades to come, mm. that all these things are will kind of slowly sift themselves out. Because I think a lot of the, especially in Shenzhen, a lot of the Chinese people go to Hong Kong. Right. And I think Hong Kongers get particularly annoyed. Oh, yeah. And they don't, they're not going to keep their mouths shut. I think no. they'll say something. Yeah, they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And Hong Kong has a much stricter, like, if you're on an escalator and you want to stand, then stand on the right. If you want to walk up the stairs because you're in a hurry, stand on the left. And I've definitely seen Chinese people get scolded for standing yeah. across the escalator definitely. when they're 
they could move over for other people. And so they, they, when they travel to Hong Kong and they get accustomed to this for the first time or maybe even scolded several mm. times, I feel like it starts to sink in. Yeah, well, this the, the idea of actually walking on, a, on an escalator just seems like uh, completely foreign. That's it's, so in itself, funny, too, because no you see walks. people, like, rushing past you. They'll, like, push past you while they're walking. And then once they get on an escalator, it's like, pause. Yeah, I'm just going to stop. Yeah. It's just totally true. Yeah. Although, I have to say, uh, even for myself, like, when I go to Hong Kong now, I almost feel like I have to switch something in my brain and be like, wait, now I'm I'm in Hong Kong. And I often hear myself say, like, oh, we're not in the mainland anymore. (laughs) It's like, you have to remind yourself the things you do you can't get away with them in Hong Kong anymore. Like Yeah, like jaywalking. Right. Or like walking because they have like bike paths that are designated bike paths. But in China, they have the same thing. But nobody Ooh, pays because. attention to them. So we don't pay attention. But in Hong Kong, you pay attention to yeah. them. Cause the rules are, are the really rules. Like, yeah. sm- if there's no smoking sign, you don't smoke. If mm-hmm. there's a, I don't know, yeah, don't walk, don't cross the road. Like, you don't cross the road. It's And, and people will look at you. Like, if you do something wrong, there are people who are looking at you as if to say, you shouldn't be doing that, mm. and I'm going to go and tell on you. <laughs> Whereas in China, everyone does it, so it doesn't, like, no, just no one cares. Yeah, you wouldn't even notice. Crazy. Any mm. other cultural shocks that you've uh, had from going back to the UK? Yeah. Um, this is a kind of a silly one, but uh, I have to restrain my emotions more at home. Oh. So th- maybe I should try and explain this. So... This is mostly out if I'm out and about, out, like if I'm outside. I feel like I don't have to restrain my anger. Like if something happens in China, you're in China, know? in China, yeah, I'll quite happily turn to someone and say, "Like you beeping beep, like what are you doing?" Because I know that that it's unlikely they're going to understand. Ah, uh, so you and say it in English to yeah. Chinese oh, people. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's my, my my you know I just feel frustrated. I'm just like. What are you doing? Why did you do that? Thank you, for, you know, for getting in my way. Like it's it's just like sort of uh, to like Tourette. Basically, I just feel like <laughs> I can't control myself, and this is my way of dealing with things. Whereas in the UK, I would never ever do that. Mm. I, you know, I I and I have to check myself. You know, keep your mouth shut. Because <laughs> what, what's anyone going to do here? No one's going to confront you and say, what did you say to me? At home, I would be afraid that someone would, <laughs> you know, be like... Fight. Yeah. Yeah, along the same lines, uh, just talking about people in general, like, I would never in the U.S., like, if I see somebody, make a comment about them while they're still in my presence. But no in way. China, because for one, it happens to us constantly. Yeah constantly people like you get on the metro people are looking at you talking about you while you're standing right there so you just kind of part of a way that you at least that i cope with it is kind of doing the same thing back like if i see something and it's not like i'm like bad talking them but i'll make comments about things that i see (laughs) and just say them out loud and i remember the first year that i was back in china i did i made the mistake of doing that like i was walking down the street and there was a guy who was walking a really really ugly dog <laughs> really ugly dog and I just like made the comment I was with my friends like oh that's a really ugly dog like just because I had gotten so used to making yeah, comments on these things yeah. and then the guy turned around and was like oh, what do you have to say about my dog you know like he got all offended about it and I was like oh yeah you can understand yeah. what I'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah actually that was another point that was I, I had a also in my list about being understood and this ability to just say whatever you think 
uh, and no one is really going to understand because even a lot of, unless maybe they've spent a lot of time out of China, um, even Chinese people who can speak English quite well, if they haven't like turned on the English brain or mm-hmm. something, they they cannot understand you. Right. I found, uh, especially if you speak quickly or uh, with, with friends slang. or slang. Yeah, they just can't understand. So. And they tend to be just kind of like less aware in general of what things that are going around. Like we, I feel like, are more sensitive to that when there are people like snickering and like talking about you. It's so to me, it's so obvious. But honestly, I don't think that they notice. They're just like so bombarded with all of this, just like I don't know, just stimuli in general that I think that they've kind of lost a sensitivity so I Mm. honestly I don't think that they notice as much as we do like because they never expect you like there are people who literally come up to you and like slowly put their camera in your face and take a photo and then think that you don't know what they're doing actually I was that's I was gonna bring up a situation like that I had I've mentioned this before in uh when I was traveling with my parents and Barrett we were in uh uh Chongqing I think and we were on the metro and there was a group of eyes who were on... I don't know what they'd been doing, but they'd obviously had a drink, and it was only, like, <laughs> early afternoon. Well, and unusual. Um, so they were, they were taking the make out of us, and they were taking pictures of, of me in particular. I guess it's the hair. Um, and I told them, like, stop it. And I was getting so angry and, like, embarrassed, and I must have been, like, the colour of a tomato. I was so mortified... And they just didn't even realize, like, how terrible I, they were making me feel. They just thought it was, you know, it was great fun. Let's take pictures of the foreigner. Yeah, they don't ever feel like they're doing something wrong if they're taking somebody's no. picture. Like, I get, no, no. I also get annoyed with that with a baby. Like, I just don't, I don't want them to just, if they come up and they're like, oh, the baby's so cute, do you mind if I take a photo? Usually I say, yeah, no problem. Sure. I mean, that's to me, that's a polite way to go about yeah, it. Definitely, yeah. But they, instead they will touch her stuff like in the you know like complete strangers walk up be like touching her toys mm. and trying to like make her laugh and then taking photos of her that to me is completely inappropriate it's, yeah it's definitely rude mm-hmm. without even like i understand if they think you don't speak chinese or something but i don't think it's it's related to that either no because often i remember actually being with you a couple of weeks ago we were in the cafe um and some girl girl came over and she was like she she was like looking at the baby and touching her and she never I don't even think she acknowledged you mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. and she was talking to a friend oh that the baby's so cute and it was kind of awkward because she, she you know she stepped over a boundary like for sure mm-hmm. but she didn't even speak ten and say anything to you and I was just like that's not that's not cool yeah you get a lot of that <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they just don't have that sense, like, people's image, like, taking a photo of somebody is their property, like, yeah. you know, they, I've, I've just, compare it to when I went on this, like, really cool, I went to New Mexico, this really cool, like, Indian, or Native American, um, it's like, not, it's like a living, it's, People have been living on the top of this mesa. It's called Akama for for generations, and they're still there. So it's really cool. And you can go, and part of the way you can support the community is they'll show you around. Yeah. But one of their things is that they believe that if you take a photo of them, that it, like, steals, steals a part it. of their soul. soul. Yeah. 
And I've heard it's that from other cultures too. Yeah, in China, this like that concept just does not compute. Absolutely not. They would not be able to understand that because no. it's just like public property. If you're outside, yeah, then it's like you know, like it belongs it's a to free the world. For all, basically,、yeah. I often I wonder if like you were to if someone did that and you were actually to ask them like, don't you do you you know do you think it's okay to do this? They'd probably be like, well, yeah, like why are you so sensitive about it? I think, I think they I don't、suspect. question the same way,、yeah. like culturally, like oh why, why? yeah why yeah asking why in China is also just like no not why very common、right. yeah <laughs> they just say no why why no it's why it's true it's I mean we t- we joke about it but it's it's absolutely true you know you hear it quite frequently this this is no why you don't question it、mm-hmm. you just accept it well it's part it of、is. yeah exactly a lot of it is just because it's like this very hierarchical society and so they just follow the instructions which has been. They just trust the system so much. Yep. Like they don't rely on their own thought processes to.、Right. Yeah. Like they're just not very independent.、And、that's just kind of the collective mindset,、yeah. and also just like how it's culturally structured here in terms of hierarchy. It's pretty、mm-hmm. fascinating as a study. Actually. Yeah. Definitely. Actually, it's got a lot of advantages too. I don't want to say that it works here. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to just say this is. I'm not. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm just saying this is how it is. Because I also have a lot of respect for the system too, and I find that it works here very well as a system. I think the longer you live here, in fact, the more you realize that how how, how much it works, how well it works、mm-hmm. as well. You know, when you first come here and you think, oh, like they're just sheep and they just do all the same thing, and but once you realize what like why it's this way, then I don't know, you accept it.、Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times they take more a long-term approach, whereas we take short-term approach. So, like, what's good for me in the moment is、yeah. not necessarily what's good for my whole family and all the generations before and all the generations to come.、Mm-hmm. So it's, it's yeah, it's really interesting. But anyway, that's another topic、mm-hmm. entirely. <laughs> um, how about like food-related stuff? Did you feel cultural, shocked culturally? Like one thing that I was、um, kind of gotten used to in China was just the ability to afford eating out all the time. Oh yeah, right. Whereas in the U.S., it's like ah、um, maybe once a week or every other week or once a month, depending、right. on yes, you know, like where you go out. But in China, it's like you can go out to eat for、oh, every, every meal. Every meal, every meal, absolutely. It's actually it's funny you mentioned that. I hadn't. It wasn't on my list, but、um, I was thinking about this thing. Yesterday, in fact, I think I, I don't know why I was thinking about it, but realizing, wow, we we can really afford to eat out every day if we wanted to.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking, oh, at home, like we used to have,、um, uh, we would ask my mom and dad, like, oh, can we have, you know, can we have,、uh, can we have chi- Chinese for, you know, Chinese takeaway? <laughs> and they would say, oh, we don't have Chinese money, which is obviously a massive joke now. Yeah. I live here,、um, <laughs> and to think back, like then we wouldn't eat out ever.、Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it was like a massive treat here. It's like it's just standard. You feel like it loses its novelty a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know how culturally if this is similar where you're from, Holly,、mm. but like also because I think maybe be, where I'm from is like this conservative Protestant like work ethic、yeah. oriented society that like eating out is this kind of like decadence, and it's like oh,、uh, you know, people. Uh, I think some、yeah. people kind of frown upon it, like, "Oh, you don't want to do it yourself. You don't want to wash your own dishes. You don't want to like <laughs> cook your own food. It's like laziness in a sense. So it's not only about the money, but it's also like somehow a little bit. You feel like you're 
um yeah just being a bit decadent and like yeah uh yeah i know what you're saying like we would i think people would only go out let's call it we would say oh like go out for a meal mm-hmm. would only be done at, uh, to celebrate something like mm-hmm. a birthday or a an anniversary to go out for no reason to have dinner at, in a nice place is like what like oh you you kind of like show, like showing off a bit maybe mm-hmm. Um, and here we do it all the time. Yeah, actually, at home, what's more common is uh, to order in. That's like oh, more okay. of a standard, and that's not seen as. I don't think that's seen as uh, being like decadent or frivolous or whatever. That's just like a standard. Okay. Yeah, I'd say it's kind of similar in a sense to order in, just to to not make the food yourself. Yeah. I feel like I always felt a little bit. Maybe that's also just my family in particular, but I always mm. felt a little bit guilty. Maybe because it was like ingrained in me the value of a dollar so much so I'm thinking like okay I'm paying like ten dollars for this meal if I just made it myself it would be like two dollars so that just kind of like waste that happens when you have to pay for services Mm -hmm. and for someone else doing it for you um yeah it's yeah for me like in the beginning I felt a little bit a little guilty I think eating out so much but now I'm used Mm. to it because actually for the most part here I spend more money to make a meal for myself than I would Uh on eating out sometimes yeah because the ingredients that I choose it's obviously higher quality than what you would get at a cheaper place in China and so obviously I'm eating better that way but you have to go through all the effort of doing all the prep and washing the dishes and cooking and all that stuff. And it ends up being way cheaper and faster Mm -hmm. if you just go out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so easy. Like, I feel like going to, say, a pub to have, to get some food and some beers, like, I know I do kind of come from that culture, but that would still, to me, that would be like a big deal. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, you could do that whenever you wanted. True. True. I feel like if we want to switch gears to another topic mm. related to culture shock was driving. Like, I felt it was oh. weird after being... Because I have, you know, I have had my license since I was, what, 15 and a half, something like that. And so I've been driving, you know, forever. And then taking that break. And that's, that's actually something that happens to me now every mm. year is just having that large gap in between and then going home. And then the first time I'm behind the wheel, I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. my God. You know, like, I guess it must be like, it's like riding a bike, though. Isn't oh, it? yeah. Just once you get, you get used to it again. But I for feel sure, like ner- for sure. nerves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I'm always like, get a little bit nervous the first time I get in a car just because it's been so long. Mm-hmm. Like, this time it'll be almost two years that I've, like, oh, wow. been driving. Yeah, so, so just. It's, that's one of the culture shocks. It's something that I was so used to for so long suddenly becomes foreign and alien. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't take long to get back into sure. it, but it's. I never thought that I would feel that way about driving. Mm-hmm. And then there, now you have it. Because now it's been basically eight years that I haven't been driving. Yeah. And so when I go home just for like a couple weeks, it's not a whole lot of time before there's another long gap. Yeah. So, and like driving in general, like, the hassle of finding the place to park and paying for parking if you need to and car maintenance, filling up the tank, checking the oil, keeping the car clean. That whole thing is also like a burden that I just had taken for granted living in the States that mm. I just dealt with on a regular basis. But after being in China and just being like, oh, we can go everywhere. Or I yeah. can drink anytime that I want. Yeah. Not that I do, but you have that freedom yeah, to be like, oh, you don't have to think about like, oh, am I driving? Oh, how am I going to get home? You have that freedom to be like, oh, yeah, we can have a pint. Sure, let's go. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, you don't have to be on the metro, like, for a certain time because the taxis are so cheap. Right. You just jump in a cab. 
Yep, that freedom of mobility is really a nice thing that you lose. At least where I'm from, I think from your, where you're from too, because we just don't it's, have. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, we don't really have public transportation, and even if we did, it would be a heck of a lot more expensive. It it is. Yeah. I. Oh yeah, like talk about London. Yeah. Jeez. I, actually, I was looking. Um, so I was buying some train tickets, uh, for when we go home in August, and um, they have they give you like an an add-on for the for a bus. So when we're back in. Hartlepool, it said, oh, do you want, like, a day tripper pass? And it was £7, like, £7 just for one day in Hartlepool. Like, it's, a, you know, it's 100,000 people. There's, yeah. like, maybe five buses that go around and £7 for one day. That's a that joke. That would pay for over a month of metro bus yeah. and bus services yeah. in Shenzhen, one yeah. of the most expensive cities yeah. in China. And if that's a bus, imagine how much uh, taxis are. Mental. Scary. Scary. Yeah. Yeah, so whenever we're watching Sherlock, we're always, like, trying to add up how much money they spend on cabs, because they're yeah, always right. like, let's they get are. in a cab, yeah, and then true. we're just wondering, like, how much is this going to cost? I, I bet there's, like, some sort of uh, YouTube video, or there should be. Yeah? Yeah. Calculating all of Sherlock's <laughs> cabs. But here you can just take a cab like it's nothing. You know, yeah, it costs the, you a couple bucks. Yeah. He's rich anyway, right? He comes from a wealthy family, so. True. They're paying for it. True, true. But <laughs> average citizen is not going to be able to do that in their home country. But in China, so cheap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Co- cost little... of living in general, really, isn't it? It's like... The rent here in Shenzhen is expensive, I think. Um, I... Uh, I, I think pay more how... here than I paid in Milwaukee, for sure. For uh, what I get. I see, we... I would say... There, there are places in at home where you 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 could play this, pay the same. I mean, like even in the north, for the same price of a small two bedroom apartment in China, I could probably buy three or four houses with. Oh, p- buying yeah, but rent is di- yeah different. Rent is still. I mean, yeah, it's true. The rent, like the, it's kind of crazy. Like you can rent for way cheaper than what the property value is worth. Like in the yeah. U.S., it seems more even. But, or in, like, most of the world, it seems more even. But mm-hmm. here, the rent is, compared to the cost of the housing, is relatively low. But it's yeah. still, for the amount of money that I spend here every month on rent, it's like Manhattan, basically. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. I think if you're in the center of the city, like, imagine you're in the CBD. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. Maybe. It's really expensive. It's a small, like, small space for a lot yeah. of money. I have to think about that. Yeah. I, it is more expensive, but I, when I think about the rent that I've paid in the past, I don't think it's, I don't think there's a, such a massive gap. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'm also just, like, taking into consideration the, the guard, like, the quality of the apartment. Sure. The gardens. Yeah. The bathroom and kitchen situation, which usually in China, yeah, like, those is. rental apartments are disgusting. Yeah. So I'm also just, like, taking into consideration consideration the quality of it. So maybe that's also part of the equation. Like, and availability, like, in, in the U.S., usually when you rent a place, most of them come with a parking spot. Or if they don't, then there's, like, a, it's, like, $50 a month or something reasonable mm-hmm. for parking. Whereas here, yeah. the parking is ridiculous. And you... You have to get lucky just to get a spot. So, like, all these things considered. And then some gardens, like, we have uh, gardens which are 
relatively nice compared to the average um, like apartment complexes. Mm. They're pretty nice and well maintained, but mm. they're still not that great. No. Like they still have paint chipping everywhere. Problems. Like yeah, it's like it's not really that nice. There's a pool and everything, so you think like, oh, so nice. You have a pool and mm-hmm. like gardens and a play area for kids. Yeah. But it's like the play area is always a little bit worn down. Paint's chipping. The pool just reeks of chemical. You know. So yeah. it's like on the outside it seems kind of nice, but then when you start to examine the quality of the things that you're getting, I don't feel like it's very good value. Yeah. I um I think that the bills like like uh gas and electricity seem much cheaper uh compared with the like the fee you have to pay for the management of mm-hmm. the area which i don't know where that money goes yeah sometimes i try to calculate how much money those apartment complexes are taking in every month a, if, it must be a massive amount massive cuz it's not cheap no. that's always astounded me that figure actually um, the management the fee. management fee compared with the bills because bills are I, I think bills are a lot cheaper like electricity and gas are much cheaper here than they are at home definitely um but this management fee is just, just atrocious like it's a massive amount of money mm-hmm. and you pay for per square meter yeah you pay for like because you know that they're not paying the people who are gardening and all that a very high wage you can see like they're yeah. just bringing them in from the countryside and paying them the bare minimum they don't have rights, they don't have a union, they don't have health benefits, all that stuff. So it's, I also wonder, like, hmm, where is all this money going? <laughs> Anywho, mm. getting back to culture shock, did you have any other points that um, were... My, one was that, uh, this is a daft one, but uh, not having to use a VPN. I always forget, mm. every time I go back, I'm still connecting to the VPN and being like, wait a sec, what? I don't need yeah, to do like, this. Like, you're like, oh my god, Netflix. Netflix is so slow. <laughs> yeah, everything's just like, wham, it's there. That's a good point, yeah. But in Taiwan, I guess they don't have that issue. But yeah, I also have that feeling like I start binge watching stuff or like bin, you know, like when I get home, just because availability is there. Yeah. Because in China, it's just like, oh, you don't know. Maybe your connection is okay, and then it's okay for like a few hours, and then it just stops. Yeah. So yeah, definitely part of the culture. Just being able to access like normal TV in general, like instead of having to yeah use Netflix or download stuff or you know always having to think in advance oh if netflix doesn't work like uh you know instead of doing something productive i still want to just sit and you know watch something Mm um yeah you can just watch normal tv and getting like notifications on your phone and stuff like that like from facebook like Mm -hmm. you just feel much more connected going home yeah which is bizarre really considering like wechat yeah yeah but you know how it is it's like once you connect your phone to to your VPN, then it's like then you start getting the notifications from Twitter, from Facebook, from yeah. all this stuff. Whereas for the rest of the time, it's kind of off the grid. I get notifications. I just can't look at them. I mean, like I can't open the. I mean, I can open the app, but I just can't see them. Yeah, know? that's true. That's true. But you can't like immediately respond. It's no, like, you've, you get a oh. notification, and then you have to like. Do I have the time now right. to sit yeah. here yeah. and connect to the VPN? Because the time Three that it takes later. to, like, yeah, like, you saw the smiley that someone sent you. Yeah, and you're like, that was worth it. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Someone's lunch smells awesome. Yeah, I wonder what they're making. Half the people here bring, like, they get up early. It's either them like, or their parents, like, get up early oh, and make what, their lunches. Wives, wives, probably. Yeah, or wives. Make their lunches in the morning and then. That's nice bring them here yeah it's yeah. nice i just eat leftovers yeah <laughs> uh my last one 
I don't know if you have any more. My last one was feeling like peace, this like sense of peacefulness and nothingness. Oh, silence. Just not ha- yeah, just not hearing anything. Yeah, that's a from really maybe, like, good a seagull. one. That's it. Yeah, and that's also can be a unarming the first time that happens because mm-hmm. you just get so used to constant noise and like yeah. light pollution too yeah. oh that as well yeah yeah so when you're like confronted with silence and darkness it's all of a sudden like where am i yeah. you feel like chinese people don't like to be alone they don't like those experiences and so you kind of get used to living in this like cluster mm-hmm. mentality kind of society but being back home people like open spaces and solitude and yeah. so having that at your fingertips is really, it is, like, shocking. It is, yeah. Yeah, I, when, I, when we got this question, actually, I was like, I know what culture shock is, but then I had to ask myself, like, can culture shock be a good thing as well? Like, a thing that you've sort of missed out on? Because I, I, I also thought, like, d- does culture shock have to be, like, a bad thing? But, I, I mean, obviously not, because I appreciate that piece and quiet. Yeah, me too. <laughs> From time to time. Me too. Definitely. So should we give them a word for culture yes, shock please. in Chinese? So our Chinese word of the day or the week is um, culture shock and it's wen hua chong ji. So wen hua is culture and chong ji means a shock or like a clash. Oh, cool. Yes. Like, like a hitting sort of... Yes, what chong cool. is like to... Like a rush of something okay. and ji is to strike. Oh, cool. Yes, so, like so it's like a forceful. Yeah, like a shock. Like a shock, yeah. Yeah, so Wen Hua Chong Ji. Cool. So I will link uh, to uh, culture shock in our dictionary. Um, so you can go to writtenchinese.com slash episode 94 and see the links uh, to the dictionary and uh, also the article that we mentioned at the beginning. And that's also a perfect place where you can tell about your own culture shock experiences, mm-hmm. either reverse culture shock going back home or the shock that you experienced when you first came to China mm-hmm. would be really cool to hear. Because also, Definitely. like, the China that we first came to is a different China than people who are coming now. Yeah. So and I wonder... And they're also going to different places in China as mm-hmm. well. So share your stories with us. It would be Please really do. cool to hear from you out there. Yeah, you can leave those messages on, on our Facebook page, which is Two White Chicks, uh, T-W-O, not the number. Mm-hmm. And as always, we are waiting for your voicemail, your questions about life in China, or any other aspect about Chinese culture and language and stuff. Stuff. <laughs> so we're waiting for you. We are. We're just going to sit here till one comes in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye.